Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 263. is made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Care Of, and FreshBooks. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello. How are you? Fine, thank you. And we're joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi. What's up? How are you? Busy. I'm looking mm. through this document, and there's just, like, chaos happening. It's... You're not as busy as Apple's QA team. hey Tell, mm. Tell you that. They're very busy, releasing left, right, and center. Yeah. I assume they're the final bottleneck for these things. We're on the daily versions of iOS 13 now. I am <laughs> pleased like... I am pleased to announce that I've started working on my iOS 14 review. Might as well. Um, uh, Teaser today, as promised, the Mike Hurley review of TVOS is coming. Oh my god! You better get ready, boys. You better get ready. Really? It's happening today. Yeah, that's why this episode's seven hours long. Is it the Mike Hurley review? Is the Mike Hurley review? It's happening. Oh my god! Well, teaser. So stay tuned. Uh, It's gonna be stay tuned for that. Uh huh. Uh huh. We we have some follow up first, though. Follow up. Follow up. Well, it's not lasers. As, but... as Mike, yeah, that's a different show. As Mike alluded to, there have been a lot of iOS 13 versions. We saw 13.1.1 at the end of last week. In those release notes, Apple said it made reminders less slow. And I had a bunch of people tweet to me, hey, did this fix your issue? And I can say yes. And 13.1.1 seemed to take care of all the reminders issues that I was seeing that I talked about uh, last week. So sharing and all that stuff is working great. I have a, a shared list now with John Voorhees that we're using like iMessage. We're just like sending each other notes via reminders. Wait, what? What what, what are you doing with it? What is <laughs> yeah, we're just like talking to each other in reminders now. I was like, hey, and he's right. like, hey, what's up? And then I checked off what's up and I said I'm good. And then he checked that off and said, Good. You know, just uh That's the saddest conversation I've ever is this, is this how the kids talk these hey, days? Look, or the olds? Is you, this how the olds talk? You, you have a conversation in the task manager. John Voorhees <laughs> and I spent our respective weekends writing and finishing our Catalina reviews. I wrote like 7,500 words this weekend. I was just about to say, nobody is making you two do that. And then I realized Federico probably made John do that. Federico did so, make John do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so by the time I got to reminders testing, I was like, I have just nothing left inside of me as a human being. And uh, we tested reminders. We also saw iOS 13.1.2, which fixed some other stuff with the camera and some other things. And I had that. Sometimes you... I'd open the camera app and it was just black. Like the, it just wouldn't work and I'd have to force quit the camera. That's, and that's, a, that's a dark night mode. It's like all the way all the way night mode. <laughs> yeah, it's black, sure. Batman mode. Ba- Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a problem that I would that I can't believe anybody's talking about, so I'm going to talk about it. it. Really? Okay. I can't believe anybody's talking about this, or that nobody's talking about it, I should say. And this is a hard one to pin down, but I know it's happening. I'm not getting notifications for some applications. Hmm. So there's apps that I know should be notifying me. I may have seen And this. I'm not getting it. I think I've seen the same issue, actually. And I've been like, you know, when you stalk the like app mentions of developers, mm-hmm. you know, like to see if people are reporting the bugs, right? We all do that, right? So like rather than you tweeting at them, you look at their like the tweets they've been sending to people to see if they're also giving updates. And I've been looking at some apps that I've been having this issue issue with and they're like, Yeah, this is a problem in iOS thirteen, we don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's like, oh gosh. Um and this was like a bunch of applications. When I first updated, I was getting no Slack notifications. Same. But all it took Same. to get those to work was for me to go into the Slack app 
and turn off and turn back on my notifications in Slack. And then they started working again. But that method has not worked for other types of applications. Um, so I don't know what's going on with that. Just wait for 13.1.17. They'll take care of that then. Yeah, any any day now, literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm having the same thing in Slack. It's a, it's a real bummer since our company runs on it. The first beta of iOS 13.3 also came out. Um, so uh, forget about 13.2. We have 13.3 already. Wait. No, you're kidding, right? <laughs> I th- okay, I genuinely thought you were being serious the fact then. that you like, almost not, believe right? that. <laughs> but that's what these few months have been like. Well, they did it two weeks ago. We had 13.1 <laughs> before 13.0 shipped. It could have happened. Oh, well. I should have gone bolder. I should have said 13.5. Mike, do you have a Galaxy Fold? No, but... Um, it's almost as if you're never going to see your money or the phone. <laughs> Shush. I spoke to the store today, and they're like, yeah, it should be this week. We'll Are you call sure? You, so. Are you sure it was a, a proper, like, official Samsung store? Did you actually give your... Oh, I mean, it, it was as official as a Samsung store could look like. I have a receipt that says Samsung on it. But is it written in crayon? Like, or is it? Uh, it doesn't printed? have any logos. Oh, there mm. we go. This is a Samsung logo. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that's that's, Im- that's, Im- that's impossible to fake. <laughs> you just give your money to somebody. It's like, yeah. Sure. You know how it goes. <laughs> We've all been there, right? We've no. all walked into a Samsung store at some point and given them a an, an large amount of money for vaporware with no promises. Yeah. No, never done that. For a thing that could easily break. We've all done that. Sure. Look, I'm at the forefront here. Have you regretted your decision yet? A little bit. But, the, the you know, it, the regret is only there because it's like I feel like I'm waiting for nothing. But I'm still very excited about it. Mm. I'm very excited about it. Microsoft did a bunch of stuff today that we haven't got time to talk about. But it's like folding stuff is the future. And I'm going to understand it. I'm not sure it is the future. And then I'll be the one who will laugh. We want to give people a final St. Jude update. September, we were raising money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, and we uh, are at $312,000. What a huge amount of money that is. A massive amount of money. Thank you to everyone who donated and shared and talked about this. Uh, The pages will be up for another couple of weeks, so if you're, uh, you know, a a person who puts things off. A new listener. If you're a new listener, there's still time at stjude.org slash relay. Uh, but the campaign is, is is pretty much wound down. So thank you to everyone, and we are looking forward to doing this again next year. Mike, does Google Docs mm. support multi-window su- stuff? No, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Not yet. I'm gonna re I'm gonna reword that in the document. Does Google Docs include multi-window support? No, it does not include That's a it. Better sentence. Well, uh, to remind people, we made predictions on this, mm-hmm. but they're not part of the Ricky system. It's just like a Side. Just a, it's a side Ricky. Yeah. We all have a Ricky Maybe on the side. Maybe the winner of this predictions gets to make Google's <laughs> prediction first next year, right? What? <laughs> Just roll all these things over. Oh, so this is like a separate... Is this a separate track of predictions? Because I, I could go for it. I could yeah, go for not? it. Why it's not? like uh, the, the, app- yeah. the appetizer of predictions. every year mm-hmm. that we wait for Google to do, so... I just I want someone to be keeping track of all of these for us, though. For someone with such a bad track record at the Rickies, Federico is really about adding additional. What are you talking about? I've been times. winning all of them. It's, it's mm-hmm. almost like you're you're not part of the show anymore. Wow. You know that I'm 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 the spiritual and factual v- winner of, of the predictions. Okay. <laughs> spiritual <laughs> winner. Um, well, to remind people of what we had said, uh, I said by the end of 2019. Federico said the end of uh, February 2020, and Mike, you said by the end of March 
2020. Mm. So we'll see. So he's right. I want to talk a little bit about Apple Watch battery life. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of stories, including a really good story by Zach Call and 9 to 5 Mac. I was following this in real time on Twitter as he was like writing the article about his Apple Watch battery life. He's basically getting 12 hours out of it. And and then it, it uh, is in the low power mode, which is a sad, sad place for an Apple Watch to be. Uh, our friend Casey Liss has also had a lot of issues. Casey kind of it to himself because he went to the smaller watch. But, you know, that's that aside, he's having pretty sorry battery life. And there have been a lot of theories about what could possibly fix it. So some people, I think we, we maybe spoke about this on the show. Maybe it was right after the show. Some people were like, hey, turn off the uh, no- background noise monitoring stuff, and maybe that'll help. And some people said, yes, that helped for me. Other people said, no. Who knows what's actually true? The theory this week is if you set your watch up as a new device and not restore it from backup, the battery life could be better. That is true for Casey, but not true for Zach. So Casey reset his up as new, did not apply a backup, and he says the battery life is a lot better. Zach set his up as new, and his battery life is still really bad. So maybe it helps with some people, but not others. Others are now saying that their Series 4 under WatchOS 6, the battery life is bad. I look at this and I choose to believe that that is a software issue because it seems to be affecting some people and not others and some old devices and not other old devices. And so I'm hopeful that watchOS 6.1 may solve this or at least make it better for everybody. Right now we're on watchOS 6.0.1. There was a little bug released the other day. But it's it's, it's rocky out there. I'm going to try to restore my wife's watch. She has a new Series 5, the 40-millimeter it is currently like 12.30 p.m. in Memphis, and right before I came out here to record, I asked her, and her watch is uh, about 66% battery life after being fully charged uh, at 7 a.m. when she put it on, which is hmm. pretty bad, uh, even for the smaller watch. So I'm going to attempt to restore hers. It's uh, 25 past 6 here, and I put mine on, I don't know, probably like 9.30 this morning, and I have 58% battery life. But that that to me sounds, seems fine. But again, like I skipped a while, right? So, well, uh, and I yours, I think, proportionally is a lot better than Mary's. So, like, it, it seems to be yeah. all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I'm going to attempt to restore hers, or mm-hmm. I'm going to restore hers uh, and set up as new. It's actually a pretty quick process. And because the health stuff now syncs with iCloud, I don't think you're yep. at risk as, as losing stuff like you used to be. So, I'm going to try that with hers and I will report back. Because it's uh, it's kind of crummy. I mean, she's like, my old watch was better. I was like, that's that's not what you want to hear. Yeah, mine's been fine, probably like an hour less than than the series four, but not as bad as what I've been seeing on Twitter and nine to five. Um, that sounds rough, and I guess I've been lucky this time. And also, I should note what you mentioned: the restore process is so much easier than it used to be. I needed to um, do a clean restore on Sylvia's watch today um, because when she upgraded uh, her phone, you have an option at setup that says, do you want to transfer uh, this watch from the old phone to the new mm-hmm. phone? She right. she did it, but it didn't work. So the new watch wasn't paired oh. to the new phone and the watch app on the iPhone said, start pairing. So that obviously that that thing didn't work that didn't work yeah, yeah. so i <laughs> um so i did the i did the thing today that i wiped the 
because the watch was not appearing in the watch app, I needed to do erase all contents and settings from the watch itself. Um, but then the setup was super, super quick. You can choose from a backup. It's exactly like an iPhone and everything is in iCloud. And you, it's actually so much easier than setting up an iPhone. Um, it's very streamlined and very, you know, you got the, you got the, the spinning thing at the end that says, now you can just close the app and wait for sync to finish. All right. Um, so how one, I wonder how complicated it'll get as soon as you can set up an Apple Watch without an iPhone. So for now, it's relatively easy and, and stable and fast. I bet as soon as the Apple Watch becomes a thing that you can buy on its own without an iPhone, we'll have uh, the entire setup process on the watch should be interesting to see how complicated it gets. I haven't thought about that, but if that is coming at some point, mm-hmm. remember where they first did that? Was that iOS 5? Maybe yeah. they added like the PC free PC stuff. PC free, and yes. PC free. I remember the artwork was like scissors cutting yes. a 30 dock, a 30 pin dock connector mm-hmm. cable. Yeah. Like, don't cut your cable, but it's uh, that's got to be coming. I, have you guys played with, while well, we're talking about the Apple Watch, this is not in the document. Have you guys played with the App Store any on the watch? Yeah, for a few minutes, yeah. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? I tried installing um, our friend underscore David Smith wrote an app called Moon Plus Plus, which replaces yep. the moon complication with one that's actually accurate and looks good, unlike Apple's. And I realized that I couldn't search for it because the dictation spells out plus plus, and then the scribble <laughs> d- transcribed it as moon TT. So I installed it from my iPhone, but then it, it did not show up on my Apple Watch. And I had to like go into the app store on the Apple Watch and then download it from the purchase. Like I... It was a disaster. I searched the word pedometer mm-hmm. and then found pedometer plus plus, then found David's like developer page. Yeah. And then got it that way. See, that's a that's a life hack right there. Mm-hmm. Good job. I mean, some of that's on underscore maybe with the, the funny naming, but I, I don't know. Like I that's the only thing I've done in the app store and it was Can you search for it with Siri? Like, if you say plus plus, will it work? Well, if I, 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 di- I tried both the scribble and the dictation, and it searched for moon plus plus spelled out, and it was way down in the results because I think it searched moon. But, hmm. but uh, I, I don't know. Like, if you restore, so like, my question is like, if, if I reset Mary's phone up from scratch, and I don't think she has any Apple Watch only apps, but like, how do you download them? Like, Oh, I just life hacked it. I muted myself and did this cell thing. Just say moon plus sign plus sign. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You're full of tips today, Man, I am firing on all cylinders today. You just wait until we get to that TVOS review, <laughs> and then you'll see. You're an Should Apple I? Watch power user. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're now the watchOS guy, in addition to the TVOS mm-hmm. guy. Um, I'm the watchOS app store guy. You know, you... <laughs> Well, that's very specific. You know what you should do, Mike. You should uh, you should also be the CarPlay guy, uh, but that requires you. Car. Well, well, <laughs> drive. well, hold on. You could just buy a CarPlay unit and install it. That's true. At your desk and pretend that you're driving. Let's see how well I do being the TVOS guy, and if that works out as well as I think it will, then maybe we'll yeah. uh, I can expand so my range. What I'm hearing yeah. is that we should do tip a tech meme with a link to your review here on the show. Once the show is out. Oh, before we leave this segment, <laughs> I think something's going on. And I also want to use this as an example to explain why Stephen Hackett can be an inscrutable friend sometimes. Okay. So You mean a wonderful, caring friend. On Monday evening, for you. 
he sent a text to our group channel that just said, I have done a thing. Oh my God, And then, yes. after saying that, three days ago, has completely ignored any further question. <laughs> just like... I ask him, and he just talks about other things. He does this all the time. It's like, oh, I've done a thing, and then just says nothing and just leaves it. Just leaves it there. Yeah. You want us to ask, which is why you say I've done a thing. Sure. But then you won't give the information. Because, yeah. uh, because... You just want the attention. Because A... You respond like this. If you responded more reasonably, it wouldn't be as much fun. No, this is reasonable. What I am doing right now is reasonable. <laughs> this is a reasonable thing. After three days, three days of ignoring. Public shaming on a podcast is the least that you can expect. And I know you bought an Apple Watch. I know that's what you've done. You've bought a titanium Apple Watch. I know it. That's true. You did it? Uh, uh-huh. Welcome to the well. Hashtag Edition Club. Come on, Teach. You can join. Well, yeah. But what I need to tell you is how it happened. Oh, God, you return it already? No, it's oh, right here. So, it's on my wrist. So you, you'll prepare your little story, your little excuse. Okay, sure. No, What's, it's not an excuse. Huh? I just, like, cave to my desire. Like, it's not... <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's, that's like honest. I appreciate... Juvenile lusting appre- after a device is what happened. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Okay. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like, look, we've been doing this show together a long time. Everyone knows that sometimes I just cave, and that's what happened this time. Sometimes. Wait. It's at least a- two or three times a year. <laughs> Have you changed your mind on the size already? No. No, the 40 millimeter is not for me. The big one is what I mm. want. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the thing. We talked about it last week. The titanium watch online, at least, is back ordered many weeks. I ordered this one on Saturday, and I have it today. So I was thinking about how I could do this, and then I remembered I know people who live in real cities. Like I love my hometown, but it's not a big city. Wow! And I was looking through the relay slack. I thought, who, who is a nice enough person to do this for me? <laughs> And, you know, I saw some, you know, I saw Chicago's like, well, you know, Voorhees, he's writing Mojave Review. I don't want to bother him going through. And then I saw, I saw Ryan, who works for Federico, who lives in New York. He's the co-host of Adapt here on Relay, which if you're not listening to, go listen to after this because it's very good. And getting into oh big shortcuts, big shortcuts energy over Big on shortcut <laughs> energy. And so I texted yep. Ryan. Oh, I my said, God. <laughs> Hello, friend. <laughs> Oh my god. Hi, it's me, your boss speaking. <laughs> he told me nothing about this. And so yeah, so I did realize like halfway through it's like, oh yeah, I do own the company and it, it seems like maybe I'm telling him to do something. But I, I preface it with saying, you should totally say no to this. But what Apple store do you live near? And turns out I don't want to say which one, but he lives near an Apple store in New York. And so I ordered it for pickup. And you can order it for pickup and give someone else's information. And that worked perfectly. I didn't get a phone call from the store or nothing. Like, I bought it with my card. He went and picked it up with his ID. And then he shipped it to me. And it showed up this morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's really nice. <laughs> the titanium is, my is, word. is um, really awesome. And I paid Ryan for the shipping. This is more than giving in to lust, right? Because that's what happened to you me. You set up I a whole operation. I was going past an Apple store and checked stock and then went in to buy it, right? Like, I was sure. like, I could see a store. I had my phone in my hand. You, like, had to really, like, really go for this. You had an uncontrollable desire to get an Apple Watch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> To involve another person. Give in. This is coordinated. You had multiple people were involved. Just one other person. That's more that's multiple. Yeah. Two times one. That's a multiple. Yeah. Wow. So, anyways, thank you 
to Ryan, who is a genuinely nice human being. And I thought that before this, mm-hmm. but then he hooked me up. We did the show today. He told me nothing about this. Did I know. You, did you have a, like a pact or something? Well, no, but I did, we did well, fast enough shipping where it would get here before the show today because I told him I wanted to surprise y'all on the show. But isn't and it I, better I though, Federico, you. than him saying to you three days ago, I've done a thing, you know? Mm. It's probably better to be a Ryan than to be a Steven in that regard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, what we have learned from this whole exchange is it is better to be a Ryan than a Stephen because a Stephen yes. cannot control himself, ropes multiple <laughs> people into doing his bidding. One person! And then, and then FedExing him things. Yeah. Ry- wow. uh, Ryan will take such a wild thing, take time out of their day, and do the, do the bidding of a Stephen. So I think it is better. You to be had a, an, a person in New York buy you an Apple Watch. No, I bought the Apple Watch. Ship it. Sure, semantics, whatever. He did <laughs> ship it to me, which was very, very kind of him. He bought it with everything except using his own money. Other than that, he did all of the buying. That is true. He did go into the, the undisclosed <laughs> location I guess Apple store. I'm, I'm just fascinated by by the process of I don't want an Apple Watch to ask a person on the East Coast to ship you an Apple Watch. It's just <laughs> <laughs> Well there's a lot of steps in there we sort of glossed over. But you know mm. the titanium called my name and I don't know. Mm. I gave well cool. It's really nice. I I mean I've, I've only been wearing it a couple hours but I, I had the stainless steel for a long time. My series four is an aluminum one but I really miss the sapphire display because the softer one gets scratched, but the steel's heavy and it makes the the tapping, the taptic stuff, not as prominent. Mm. And the uh, titanium is kind of the best of both worlds. Like it looks really nice. I have it on a white sport band. The gray one it comes with is not for me. Like it's, I just didn't care for the color, but it's nice. Does it have a titanium pin? I assume it has a titanium pin, right? The strap that came in the box with it does. The white one I have has a stainless steel pin, Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit of a mismatch, but you don't really see them at the same time, so it's not not that big of a deal. What's nice about this is the – so I was worried about the titanium, about the brushing, if the brushing was going to look really big. I think I talked about that on the podcast-a-thon, how it's very subtle. It looks like if you just think about the DeLorean and Back to the Future, that's what it looks like. Even though the DeLorean is made of stainless steel – this watch looks like that. So it's it diffuses light. I think it's really nice looking, kind of understated. And uh, so far, I've been pretty happy with it. I also set it up as new and not a backup. And I mean, I probably put it on like 10 this morning. So I've worn it for a couple hours and it's at 95% battery. Like it seems totally fine. So, so far, so good. That's my story. And thank you to Ryan. That is... Uh, Thanks, Ryan. That is so much better than I was expecting. Uh, quite a story. And I don't, I don't want you mm-hmm. to think federico that i just go around abusing your staff but the only people i did consider were john and ryan so and also so like that. you make john do weird reminders things of you i'm helping him then... too we're both writing catalina reviews <laughs> we're working together actually john i basically didn't you make john pick you up from an airport recently well yeah he did i did spend the night at his house as well twice because <laughs> my plane got stranded so i feel like you just made the argument yourself you've been abusing yeah, I owe john staff. i owe john big time <laughs> <laughs> I owe John a lot of favors. Uh, but, you know, Federica, you just hire you hire really nice people. That's all well, I got to say. I yeah, enjoy knowing them. They are very nice. And that is why I never work for Federica. Because I'll make you do things? <laughs> I'm not nice enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all thinking it. All right. A couple, of, uh, couple more quick, tiny topics. Uh, Federico, you did a thing. To, to use a phrase, well, you have gone through and documented 
every U- URL in the settings app and built them into shortcuts. Like, A, mm-hmm. why? But two, oh, like, wow. how did you come across this? I thought this was stripped out of iOS a while back, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, why is um, simple enough to explain. This is exactly the kind of boring and repetitive task that I could do uh, after finishing the review without thinking too much about it. It was like a mechanical thing to do. And um, mm-hmm. it allowed me to get some work done, and it actually went really well on the site. But it wasn't like the kind of creative thing that required me to write like an actual story because I wasn't ready for it. As to how, um, so I remember a few weeks ago I was um, browsing around Reddit, and somebody on the shortcuts subreddit posted that thirteen point one reinstated the ability to launch these uh, settings URLs um, via shortcuts. These these URLs they use um, a specific URL scheme. It's a prefs for preferences colon root, um, and this URL has been around forever. I mean, its first examples I think they go back to iOS four or iPhone or iPhone wow. OS three even. They've been around forever and. Um, you used to be able to create like um, launchers for it back in the day. I remember yep. the re- like Launch Center Pro, like the very first version. You used to be able to have these quick settings launchers. They they would take you like directly into Settings General or dile- directly into the notifications page of the Settings app, stuff like that. But then Apple has started um, over the years. They have uh, first of all they started rejecting apps that allowed you to launch these settings, um, saying that they were private APIs and developers were not allowed to to include them in their apps. Then at some point, I believe they changed the URL scheme. You It became app-prefs, uh, uh, something like that. Um, then it changed again. Basically, it's been inconsistent and all over the place for the past few years. And up until 13.0, uh, the URL scheme wasn't working. Somebody tested it again uh, on 13.1, and it was working. So I saw that, but I was still working on the review. I didn't have time for it, and I sort of uh, saved it in the back of my mind. Like, I'll check it out eventually. And uh, when when eventually it came... Um, so here's what I did. I've always wanted to to offer like a like a list, like a full list of settings on Mac Stories. Uh, just it's one of those projects that I've been putting on for, putting off forever. And every time Apple broke these URLs, it was my excuse to like, oh, okay, I'll never, I'll, I will not work on it then because they're broken again. Um, this time I decided to go for it, and I've been. Um, I started my my sort of my research with a couple of posts, a couple of guides that people did in like 2012 or 2014 years ago. Um, and I had like a like a starting set of uh, 20, 30 URLs. Some mm-hmm. of them were still working, some of them were not. So what I basically did was I tested each one and then I figured out how to access, in addition to the main pages, the subsections as well. So, for example, um, settings, general, keyboard. That would be a subsection of the general page. Um, Apple is using a, like this path uh, parameter. But the problem is that the way that Apple writes these URLs is completely inconsistent. Sometimes they use 
uh, uppercase text. Other times they use underscores. Other times they use uh, HTML encoding <laughs> instead of spaces. Um, and so what I did, I came up with a list of 120. I think right now it's up to 130. Um, I basically had to guess each one. Uh, I, with with <laughs> oh, settings man. open, with settings open on my iPhone and shortcuts open on the iPad, I would try to guess what the name of each page was, uh, trying different formats until I got it working. And uh, it took me three, four days, I think. I worked on it over the weekend because I really needed something boring and and uh, not technical, you know, not too much technical, sure. but still like something simple that I could do over and over and over. And it took me about. So- Seven hours, I think, total. So you were doing that when John and I were writing about Catalina. We all worked this weekend. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, so there's a there's a full list of Mac stories. I'm going to keep it up to date. People have been sending me um, other URLs that they've discovered. And there's also a shortcut uh, that you can download. The shortcut contains all of the links, but and you can use it. Uh, it'll bring up a huge list of all the settings yeah. that you can launch. <laughs> it's, but, it's comical how long it is. Yeah, and they they actually they are in the same order as they appear in the settings app. People have been asking me why is it not alphabetical, and I think it's it made more sense for the full list to be in the same order that you see in settings when you open the settings app. My recommendation is to not use my shortcut. So uh, use the shortcut as a reference uh, to copy the links on your device. But the best uh, use case for this is to actually make uh, uh, individual shortcuts for each settings and save them to to your home screen. So all you need to do is... um, So for example, my my third page right now of the home screen has icons for um, software update and control center or screen time. So all of these icons, they take me directly into the into the settings app. Um, you can use the list if you want, but it's really so much better if you just add them to your to your home screen. Um, our friend Brian, of the friend of the show, Brian, he, like they came up with like a good uh, a good use for this, right? Which is it's like you think, oh, why would I want to jump into settings quickly? Well, there's this new feature in thirteen, which is silence unknown callers. Mm-hmm. But if you've like maybe ordered some food from a delivery company and there could be somebody calling you who you don't know to tell you your food's here, you might want to turn off that feature really quickly. And if having a shortcut on your home screen to jump into that portion of the settings is good. Or even stuff like uh, tethering and all that kind of stuff. So there are good uses for it. I mean, you could even put these in part of a larger uh, uh, shortcut that you could be using, right? Because I, I put a uh, NFC sticker on my suitcase and I'm still trying to work out what exactly I wanted to do to trigger stuff like that. Mm. But jumping into some of the settings and maybe turning some things on and off might be part of what I do on my travel uh, shortcut. So it's cool to have these as available to you now. Uh, last thing I'll talk about very briefly today. Um, there was a Bloomberg report that coming in an iOS update this year, and I think it might be in 13.2, which is, I believe, rolling out today. Um, messaging and phone apps are going to be better integrated with other apps on iOS. So when you ask Siri to message someone, you won't have to specify the app anymore. So say you use WhatsApp to message your mm-hmm. partner or a friend, right? Then you would you currently have to say like, oh, send a message to Bobby in WhatsApp. But now you would just say, send a message to Bobby. And it. this is what I don't like. Siri decides. Uh, <laughs> Siri spins a wheel and chooses which application to send the message through. <laughs> Uh, Siri will decide based on your usage uh, which application to send the message through, um, which is a very Apple move that it's like, we're going to open it up to third parties if they integrate with Siri, 
but users won't be able to choose mm-hmm. which uh, applications to send it through. Siri will do it for you. Mm, don't like that, but better than nothing. Yeah, and then, and I really believe that this is going to be based on the same system that uh, allows developers currently to offer suggestions in the share sheet. So right, makes sense. In right, the, in the, it would make sense in the share sheet. You have iMessage uh, shortcuts um, based on your contacts, and in theory, and there's documentation on this on the on the developer website. Uh, third-party messaging apps can also plug into the same system and have uh, have their apps show up for contacts in the share sheet. Uh, I haven't seen <laughs> uh, examples of third-party apps at this point that use this. It requires. Um, as you may expect, integrating with the Siri Kit stuff. Um, so maybe these big companies like WhatsApp or Telegram, it's going to take a while uh, for them to adopt them. But I would expect that it's based on the same system. Like, why would you? Why would Apple make two separate systems for suggesting contacts, one in the share sheet and one in, in Siri? So I think it's going to be roughly the same. I wonder if you're going to be... If you can do something manually to sort of uh, instruct the system on what to use. I I think I remember that when Apple Mm. introduced the SiriKit um, integrations for messaging and and, uh, voice calls, that you used to be able to go in the contacts card for a person and tap and hold or maybe do something with the the phone and with the message uh, buttons and maybe select a preferred method, right? Because because you can see stuff like WhatsApp or Skype in the in a contacts card in those, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can do something. I don't know, but still, I expect um, this feature to be based on the same system. Um, and in theory, it is available today as part of the thirteen point two beta, um, which I can tell you in real time. Your good friend Stephen uh, Ryan. As it installed uh, on his iPad, no sign of iCloud share folders, no sign of pinned files in the files app, mm-hmm. no big changes to shortcuts that he mentions. Um, but Apple says, or at least Mark Gurman says, that uh, this uh, new contact suggestions uh, feature for Siri should be in 13.2 alongside. And I guess we're going to talk about it later, uh, Deep Fusion. I expect this is the first of these types of things. There's going to be more of this type of stuff because Apple is starting to get themselves in some hot water of antitrust. Yeah. So this is just the first part of that. All right, we have a lot more to talk about. We have Mike's review of tvOS 13 coming up after this break where I tell you about our first sponsor, our friends at Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. Think about all the things that go into a modern website. You have a store, portfolio, blog, podcast maybe. You want big images. You want to be able to put video in. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of those things. And there's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about. You don't have to become some sort of server web admin person. You just don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They allow you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name to pair with your website. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I am right in the middle of a big project for somebody. 
building it on Squarespace, and I've had to dip my toe into the custom CSX functionality. So I can go in and write my own CSS to address things that I want to tweak in the themes, and it's really powerful. And look, you can build an amazing Squarespace site without ever going that deep because their tools are really good. But if you do want to go a little bit further, they give you those options, and I really appreciate that. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain name and to share your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for the support of the show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. We've waited for months, but the time has come. All right. Welcome to the Mike Hurley review of TVOS 13. All right. Uh, before we begin, I have to say I was shocked over the weekend uh, to, to see that that previously mentioned Ryan, um, I think it was over the weekend, published a TVOS last week, TVOS review on Mac Stories. I was surprised about his Federico because you know I'm the TVOS guy. Uh, it was a surprise to me to see that you had a, a review but you know i'm not i'm not gonna not gonna complain too much ryan's a really nice guy as previously discussed but it is a uh betrayal so <laughs> that's that <laughs> wow but i want to say everyone you know this is serious i have an i have thought i have introductions and conclusions to this review okay. let alone something to say on many of the features that are contained within TVOS 13. So, are you ready? Yes, I'm. I'm, I'm getting comfortable. I'm. I'm ready. All right, Stephen, are you ready? You didn't say yes. I've just. I'm sitting he's, here, he's just playing with it as Apple open, Watch, <laughs> an open sponge, ready for you to pour your knowledge good. of TVOS oh my God. into right. my body. Okay, so <laughs> oh my God. here's my introduction. TVOS, I feel, is a pretty quiet platform at this point. Um, there isn't a ton of new stuff going on from a year-to-year basis. And really what Apple is doing is building a series of services for which the Apple TV is an important piece. Uh, They're adding features to the platform slowly but surely, but a lot of these things are in support of the services that they're adding. Like every time Apple has made large changes to the tvOS platform, whether it was from the locked down version to when tvOS came around and then since, it has pretty much been met unfavorably. People were very unhappy with tvOS, for example, like just from a user experience perspective when it came around. So my feeling is at this point, Apple are probably best to just slowly iterate on the platform. Um, this is obviously not taking into account any future hardware changes, like if they wanted to change what the remote would look like, but I don't foresee anything like that happening for quite a while. <laughs> Uh, so the first feature I want to talk about is changes to the home screen. So the home screen is the main screen that you see. Um, some, for some people, it's when they press the TV button. For some people, it's when they press the menu button. It depends on how you have it set up. But the home screen has undergone some visual changes for TVOS 13. Um, so like the dock looks a little bit different, and it's got some spit and polish in places. But the biggest change is auto-playing video for trailers. So applications can tie into this if they want to, but the main one that's doing it right now is Apple's TV app. So you can, if when you're on the home screen, if you have the TV the TV app selected and it's in the in the dock where it's got that like showcase area up top. 
um, it will start to autoplay video. You may be familiar with this from the Netflix app. So when you are using the Netflix app on any platform, it will do this, you know, inside of the Netflix app. Of course, I hate Netflix, it so much. Yes, Netflix does not support this feature on iOS yet, uh, on tvOS yet. Um, I also hate this feature, even on Apple's TV app. Thankfully, they play without audio, but I find it very distracting uh, to just have the TV on and then things just start going on their own. Um, like, for example, right now, like the Apple TV app is playing trailers for new movies that I can buy, but I don't care about those movies. So what's the point? Right. And if you if you scroll up, you can then actually watch the trailer with with sound Um but again, it's like looking at it right now, what's the point of this? Well, the point of this is when Apple wants to promote their TV Plus shows to you, they will do that. So they've added this feature now in advance of November, so then they can promote C and stuff like that to you. That's prime real estate because the TV app, I mean, I'm sure that they will still, to try and keep things fair, will split, spread it out a little bit, but it's I, I believe this feature is primarily there to try and convince you to watch their content, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, TVOS 13 also introduces a control center to TVOS. Um, this gives you a quick way to access some features like AirPlay from anywhere. This is previously not possible in all instances. Uh, you just press and hold the button that looks like a television and it will bring up the control center. Uh, this is I like this because it's a quick way to switch audio so I can go from my TV to my uh, AirPod, uh, to my HomePods really easily. Um, I did note, just as an aside, I couldn't get um, Apple Arcade games to play through my HomePods. It would only play through the TV. I assume this is a latency issue, um, that they won't play through AirPlay. Because uh, like, if, if you are familiar, when you play uh, audio through the HomePod from the Apple TV, when you make that selection, there is a slight pause where I believe everything's being buffered a little. You can't do that with a video game. Still a shame, though, because I would have loved to have heard some of these games with that great audio coming from my HomePods rather than my TV speakers. Uh, but the control center also houses uh, user UI for another big feature of TVOS 13, which is multi-user support. So this gives the ability for people to sign in with their own Apple IDs into a single Apple TV, giving them access to their own iCloud accounts. So multiple people in a household, uh, in either in shared accommodation or in a home, uh, with like a family home, uh, could use this to access their own movies and TV shows that they've purchased or their own games or their own apps. Uh, they also get their own recommendations in the, the kind of the up next view in the TV app. There is an API for this. So this is interesting. I found this. Uh, I, I think I saw this in Ryan's review as part of my overall research that mm -hmm. I was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. That because mm -hmm. I really I just want to say I, now I said that it makes it sound like I just read Ryan's review. I have spent the weekend testing TVOS for this. Like I didn't just come up. You worked this weekend too. All of us did. Yes, yeah. I did on this. And, and so this stuff I did all of this. This is work that I did, but I did more reading to make sure I hadn't missed anything. This was something I found interesting. There is an API, so apps that have multi-user accounts already, like Netflix, mm. would not have to ask you who is watching. But nobody's using this yet. Of course. Okay, of now course. people in the chat room are thinking I'm lying. I promise you, I have done this work. These are my opinions. This is my work here. But I did some corroboration. It's like, um, so I know that Apple provides reviewers guides, right? That for, for iOS, for macOS, that people can check their facts against later on. Basically, Ryan provided my, my reviewers guide for me. Anyway, mm -hmm. 
so that's multi-user. Uh, this isn't widely adopted to allow people to change that, but it's you know it's available. I don't have a use for multi-user support at home, um, but I can imagine it being something that a lot of people will want to use. Uh, I do want. I would. I'd love to use it because I've got kids in the house, and it's like they have their own profile. But until Netflix and others support it, like it's kind of useless. And Netflix track record of adopting TVOS features is pretty bad. Yep. Don't you technically, by terms and conditions, have to be over the age of like thirteen to have an iCloud account or something? Not if you have a child account and family sharing. Ah, uh, okay, fine. And then, but like this is what I thought about this, like the family sharing thing. You don't need your own iTunes account. That's purely to just keep the up next recommendations split apart from each other would be my expectation of having that because everybody's Mm -hmm. on the same iCloud purchasing account technically, I guess. Uh, Screensavers, that's a big thing for any tvOS release. And there are new ones. Uh, This is my favorite feature of any tvOS release because I love those screensavers. This time, Apple have partnered with the BBC, um, the BBC Natural History Unit, I should say to create underwater-based screensavers. These feature a lot of wildlife um, as well as just environments. And I think they're amazing because I was watching one yesterday and a sea lion butted up against the TV, which I thought was hilarious because uh, I guess it was being pretty, like it was wondering what was going on with this camera. Um, so I thought that was awesome. They had a new sense of life to the TV app, I think, to have animals and, and like wildlife in the screensavers. I think that's really fun, um, and it's a little. It's actually quite different to static buildings or space, right? Like kind of non-moving elements, and there's a lot of movement, and it's quite frantic. And I think that it's it's something different. I hope they do more like this. I would like to see some maybe in uh, like on land environments and stuff like that. You know, uh, I think it could be really beautiful to see some more wildlife-based uh, screensavers in the future. I hope to see that. Uh, Picture-in-Picture is now supported for any content that can be loaded into the TV app. Um, So you have to be in a TV app to use Picture-in-Picture. It feels like a nice-to-have, but feels less useful to me on the TV than it does on iOS. Like, if I'm using Picture-in-Picture on my iPad, I'm doing that because I'm maybe taking notes for some content while watching a video, or I have a video that I'm not really that interested on. It's kind of in the background, and I'm, like, surfing Twitter and stuff. These use cases are not the same on the TV. Like, well, my feeling is, what am I doing? Like, I'm video because I'm choosing another video, but don't want to quit the current video. It doesn't feel super useful to me, but for some reason, it's something athletic because people, I guess, have been asking for it. But I can't think of a useful use case for picture in picture on the TV app um, because I don't think people are using Twitter on their TV very much, you know, so. But to each their own. Uh, Apple Arcade, technically a tvOS 13 uh, feature. tvOS 13 added support for Apple Arcade. It's a separate app um, on the TV. It's not built into the App Store like it is on iOS. Uh, You can play any game that is available on the service. You can play it on Apple TV. But on tvOS, some games cannot be played, thankfully, with the Apple TV remote and require a controller. Um, pairing a controller with tvOS is one of the new features and you can pair Xbox controllers and PlayStation controllers as long as they're Bluetooth or you can use any for iPhone I guess MFI controller it's really easy to do it in fact in the in the settings in tvOS they have specific instructions for what buttons to press on a PlayStation or Xbox controller to get it to pair which I thought was really nice it was a nice touch um, you can even control some of the TV interface with those controllers which may be a better option than the Apple remote sometimes 
times because I have like a physical D-pad on an Xbox controller now that I can use to move around the TV interface, which is fun. Um, there are lots of uh, Apple Arcade games that make you replay their tutorials when you load them on TV OS for the first time. It's going to be a little bit frustrating, but it makes sense because you may need to relearn the buttons as a, because you weren't playing with buttons potentially when you were using uh, the touchscreens. So in conclusion of the Mike Hurley review of tvOS 13. Uh, I would say this is a this is a pretty nice release for tvOS. They've added some good quality of life features, but what I can see is happening in a lot of places is the laying of the groundwork to make it the cornerstone of the Apple's new subscription business model, or a cornerstone, I should say, of their subscription business model that they're doing for people inside of the Apple ecosystem. You know, they want people to own the Apple TV uh, because then they can watch all the TV content, can play Apple Arcade games, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think for what may have once felt like a pretty doomed product, especially after the lackluster first release of tvOS and the fact that uh, TV apps kind of sucked. Um, I think that Apple started to move into a business that makes the Apple TV a much more important product in their lineup. So I do expect now we will continue to see year-over-year improvements to the platform that are continuing to push the line to help them support Apple Arcade and TV Plus in different ways. Frankly, the future of TV isn't apps, it's subscription services. Tim was wrong. Uh, but now Tim has worked out what he needs to be doing with the company, right? They are going after subscription services because it's not just Apple. You know, like everyone is starting streaming subscription services now and tvOS needs to be able to support these as much as possible. And that's kind of where I expect tvOS to follow in the future. That was the Mike Hurley review of tvOS 13. Well done. See, you all thought I was kidding, but your boy put the work in. I really enjoyed it, and I think you did. Thank and you. I, I know you did. I, I, unlike Stephen Hackett, do not uh, question your integrity, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you very much. Really good job. This should be an annual thing. I now expect, I now expect, <sighs> in June, in June, I want the Mike Hurley TVOS 14 overview. And then... Ah, se- right. Okay. Yeah. And then I work overview, on the- then the review in September 2020. Uh, should be oh, an we'll annual see. thing. I'll need to get a developer ticket to WWDC. I'll be the only person sitting in a TVOS session. But like, well, I need it. It's for my work. You find your angle. Mm-hmm. Good job, Mike. Thank I agree you. with your. I agree with your conclusion. I, clearly, the future TV apps thing was not quite right. I mean, it was right in the sense that streaming services require apps, but people. All the other stuff, like remember that demo? They showed like online shopping, yep. and, like looking at real estate websites. Yep. Like none of that happened. They were so in any scale. ridiculously wrong. But you never browse apartments? No. Yeah, not, not, not on really. Apple TV. But by by going down the app route, Apple have stumbled into being able to provide the over the top streaming services with the mm-hmm. ability to get on their platform. The problem yep. that Apple is going to continue to have is they want everyone to be in the TV app. But a lot of services don't want to be in the TV app because they have to give up information to Apple for no gain. So, you know. Right. It's not hurting Netflix if they're not in there. No. Right. It, like. it, it would actually hinder Netflix to be in there. There is no reason for them to be in there. They lose information about their own customers and then hand over data or hand over some of the experience to a company that is now a direct competitor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're going to struggle with that for a while, I think. All right, let me tell you about our our second sponsor this week, and that is Care Of. Fall is a great time to set some new goals, get back into a healthy routine. Maybe you were like us and traveled all summer, and you want to reprioritize yourself. 
Care-of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to get the right vitamins, supplements, and protein powders for your specific needs. They have a short online quiz that asks about your diet, lifestyle, and health needs. It takes like five minutes, and you'll get research-backed recommendations for everything that you need. Then your Care-of order gets shipped right to your door in convenient daily packs, which make it perfect for a busy, on-the-go lifestyle. Those packs are super cute, by the way. They're like personalized and they have your name on them and little quizzes on them, which is very nice. Just like a nice little feature. Just thought I'd let you know in case you didn't know. And it's super easy to see where the ingredients are sourced. It's all high quality. And if you're vegan or vegetarian, they can cater to that. I walked through the quiz, Akira. I've actually was doing it uh, before we started reading just to go back through it again. And it is like unlike any other health-related quiz you've ever taken, it's... It's easy to do, it's fun, it's relaxed, and at the end of it, you get recommendations that you can trust because they have taken all this data and applied their expertise to it. For 25% off your first care of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code CONNECTED. That's TakeCareOf.com and the promo code CONNECTED for 25% off. Our thanks to CareOf for their support of this show and FM. So I want to talk just for a minute about preparing for macOS Catalina. We don't have a release date for Catalina yet. There was a rumor that it was going to be this week. I don't believe that because we haven't seen a GM yet. They just pushed beta 10, uh, I think, over the weekend or early this week. So I think we have a couple weeks still. But Catalina is a big deal, and I think that it behooves users of the Mac to be prepared for it. The oh, last I couple didn't years tell you, by the way. You know my whole plan about ordering my iMac Pro so it didn't have Catalina on it? Like, that was my plan. Mm-hmm. I have ordered my iMac Pro, um, uh-huh. but it it hasn't been shipped yet, and now I'm scared. <laughs> it's like a... It tells me currently the shipping state, it says, arrives between the 14th and 21st of October. Huh, they may be getting ready to rev them. Well, you did a custom order. I don't know. I did a custom order, so that will add time, but I'm really nervous that not, they're going to put Catalina on it. Yeah, you may have missed the uh, God, you may have missed the window. God, that sucks so bad. Yeah, we'll Catalina's see. a little rough. So here's the deal. Catalina breaks and changes a lot of things that have been true for the Mac for a long time. There's a tool called Go64. It'll be in the show notes. I recommend everyone go download because it, it's free app, and it will tell you what 32-bit applications or parts of applications are still on your system. And that's important because Catalina is 64-bit only. 32-bit apps and frameworks are are gone. And this is not like a... Shall I run this tool now? Shall I download and run this Download tool? it so I... while I'm talking and, and okay. see how, how bad uh, your system is. Mine had quite a few things. And you need to reconcile all those things before you upgrade to Catalina because they they simply will not work. All the support for them is gone. Of course, you also want to make sure that your system supports it. So if you have a MacBook Air, a MacBook Pro, a Mac Mini, or an iMac, it's mid to late 2012 and above. The iMac Pro supported, obviously, that one, any one-port MacBook is supported, and the trash can Mac Pro is supported as well. So cheese grater Mac Pros are finally dropped uh, with Catalina. So you want to make sure your model's supported. You really want to make sure that you don't have any 32-bit apps that you rely on because they will not work. And you may need to go to a developer website and see if there's a new version. In some instances, you may need to find a different tool or application to use if the if the application just isn't going anywhere. So check on that. Uh, Logic Pro 
is showing for me, which oh, well. is a concern. <laughs> so, okay. So let me talk about that. So parts of Logic and Final Cut both have 32. They, they reference 32-bit libraries. I fully expect that Apple will have updates on day one for Final Cut and Logic. That's, I certainly hope so. It's not... It, well, no, it's not uncommon for Apple to ship a day one release of their pro apps to support the new OS. So I'm right. not worried about Logic or Final There's Cut. There's a lot of Adobe stuff in here. Like, a lot of Adobe a stuff. A lot of Adobe stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, iMovie, iPhoto, Final Cut. Oh, you can get rid of iPhoto. <laughs> I don't you know why, but GarageBand is on here. So some of those may be older versions. You know, maybe you have multiple versions installed. It's it's this is a good starting point to go and explore your applications folder. Oh, is this gonna kill GarageBand six? That's a yes, shame for people. Oh, because that's the last one that had like the really good podcasting stuff before it made it all weird. The other thing to look out for are kernel extensions, which are also gone in Catalina, replaced by something called driver kit. So on my MacBook Pro, I have VMware Fusion installed. I run a Windows VM and some others on my Mac, MacBook Pro. And it requires a kernel extension, and they will need to have an update to support the new driver kit model. This is a good move. Kernel extensions have access to lots of things on your system that most software doesn't actually need. And it is part of a broader move in Catalina to make macOS itself more hardened against outside attacks. In fact, when you install Catalina your APFS volume gets split and you have one volume for your system and one volume for your applications and your user files. That's invisible to you in Finder. You, you can see it in Disk Utility or if you use Thunderbolt target disk mode or something. But they're really making macOS kind of an island. And part of that is kernel extensions are gone. So if you, if you have a program that relies on a kernel extension, again, you need to go to the developer website, find them on Twitter, make sure that they are ready for Catalina if it's something that you absolutely depend on because there's no recourse here. You install Catalina, that stuff will not work. So I say all that not to scare people off of Catalina, but to give you an opportunity now to spend some time in making sure that you're okay to upgrade it. And the one downside of the annual macOS release, amongst many, I do not like the annual release cycle, but one of the downsides is people have just gotten used to hitting upgrade. And look, going from, you know, Sierra to High Sierra to Mojave, that was basically fine as long as your computer was supported. But Catalina looks the same, right? It's just an annual release. It's free in the Mac App Store. But if you have a 32-bit app that you rely on every day to, like, do your work at your business, you're just out of luck Mm -hmm. on Catalina. Mm -hmm. And so you need to, to take time to make sure that you're going to be okay. And, and this is one of those things too, like we all have people in our lives who use the Mac who aren't connected listeners. You know, not everyone out there has been uh, reached by our program yet. When you're at home visiting your parents this weekend, like run Go64 on their old MacBook Air and just make sure they're going to be okay. Because, you know, for instance, my I know one of my family members is still using like Office 2008 or something, like an old version of Office. And so actually I'm going to see them this weekend, like, hey, we need to get you on a new version of Office because the old one's not going to be supported. And it is uh, important to update because you want to make sure that you get security updates and everything. High Sierra will still get security updates for for another year or two. So you don't have to go, or excuse me, Mojave. Another problem with the annual release cycle, way too many names to remember in the right order. Yes. But High Sierra will get software updates. I think this will be the last year. Mojave get them for another year or two. So you have some time from a security perspective 
So make sure that you're really prepared to go to Catalina because you're going to be in a world of hurt if you're if you're not prepared. I'm already waiting. Well, I'm just standing by waiting for the articles that will be written. You know, Apple kills software. Yep. The users, I mean, it's not wrong, but, you know, just waiting. No, but it's, it shouldn't be a surprise anyone paying attention. No, it's like there's been a, you know, we were talking about reminders earlier. There's like been a bunch of articles about like Apple oh, will fix reminders syncing for everyone knew this. Everybody knew this. We all knew this. But mm. now it, you can talk about it, right? Because you can write the article about it. Yeah, I was scrolling one of those, like, oh, there's a, a tweet that I sent just in this article, yeah. which is always exciting. So, yeah, check, just check out Go64. I definitely recommend it. And keep an eye on your kernel extensions. We'll talk more about Catalina as it makes its way out. Like I said, I've got a review. John's got a review. And there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. But for now, just make sure your ducks are in a row before you hit that button. Whenever that button shows up. This week or next week or two weeks from now, whenever it Put is. Your geese. Put your geese in mm-hmm. a row. Geese, geese are a meme right now, Stephen. I know. This is some game the youth are playing. Yeah. It's very fun, youth, actually. The youth. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun game. Wow. All right. Is it, uh, is it, can I play it on my iPhone? Do I have to have some sort of console? Oh, I own a console. I have a Switch. Yes, yeah, on the Switch. So. Oh, yeah. I wanna, I'll, I'll put it on the Switch eventually. Very fun. Your kids might like it. Let's talk about Deep Fusion. Federico, yes. what is happening with sweater mode in the iPhone camera? So sweater mode consists uh, of... Um, <laughs> the official name is Deep Fusion, and Apple had a very nice press tour yesterday. They talked to TechCrunch and The Verge and John Gruber, um, sharing the details of this new photo mode that they pre-announced at the iPhone event in September. It, it is now available as part of uh, iOS 13.2. It is only available for devices with the A13 chip and above. So that in- includes the iPhone 11, 11 Pro, and 11 Pro Max. No older iPhones or iPads. So I highly recommend that you go read uh, Matthew Panzarino's uh, story at TechCrunch for the details. He knows what he's talking about. And Deep Fusion involves a bunch of technical words that I don't fully understand. But to give you an overview... Um, Diffusion is basically a new mode that sits somewhere in between night mode and smart HDR. The way that I understand these details is smart HDR still still works for really bright scenarios where uh, you know processing the highlights is more important for the system and therefore it employs HDR. But for that middle range between you know from just above low light and before Smart HDR kicks in, that's where Deep Fusion is applied. And Deep Fusion, uh, as I mentioned, uh, requires the A13 chip. It only supports the wide and telephoto lenses. So no Deep Fusion for pictures uh, taken with the ultra-wide lens. And uh, Deep Fusion does not support capture outside the frame. So... If you want to use Diffusion, you got to disable capture outside the frame in the in under settings uh, camera. Um, the they are my understanding is that they are two completely separate features. Um, I I guess from a memory um, consumption perspective, Apple didn't want to mix the two of them together. So you got to make a choice: either you use capture outside the frame or you use Diffusion. Um, that's unfortunate, and, and and it's obviously one of the features that I already want to see in the 2020 iPhone. Um, so do I need to turn off 
capture yeah. outside of the frame to get Deep Fusion to work? Um, well, yeah. I mean... Um, but, like, how am I supposed to know... You don't know the answer to this question. How am I supposed to know which one's better for me? Right? Like, well, well, do I want sweaters <laughs> to be at their highest fidelity? Or do I want to bring my family members who are cropped out of a frame back in the picture again? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a very what com- if it's a very confusing situation. What if the cropped out family person is wearing a sweater? Oh, then that, you're, that, you're you're you've I'm lost screwed. either way. Make sure make sure that your family members do not wear sweaters. Uh, that's the first step. Um, so you gotta make that decision yourself. Um, I really liked the the simple summary from the Panzerina story. Uh, it says the overall result. Apple says results in better skin transitions, better clothing. This is what you mentioned. Better clothing detail and better crispness at the edges of moving subjects. So hmm. I guess deep I feel fusion like I means that. you get more detail. So you get yeah. a lot more details you can... And to be fair, I know we're making fun of the sweaters, but the sweaters are functional, uh, are instrumental to the point that Apple wants to make. And that is you can zoom in on the details of the sweater, you know, the, the, the pattern of the of the cloth... The, what's the name of the... What's a sweater made Threads. of? Yes. The wool? The thread. Yes. Thread. That, yes. So you can see the individual detail of that. And it's very sharp and it's very crisp. And I can see what Apple means. I still think a photo of somebody wearing a sweater is a boring photo. Um, not really exciting. But, you know, better skin detail. And, and I think Panzerina also mentioned, like, uh, detail in, in, in the sky. If you're taking a picture of a... You know, the landscape and you have the sky, you're going to have a, you know, yeah. crisp, crisper clouds, which is something that everybody wants. It's just so weird to me that they've created these two features for the camera and they exactly. conflict of each other. It is very weird. And then they it, shipped one of them, turned it yes. off for everyone, and then yes. like a month later, it's redundant. Like, what was and the it, point? And it's very confusing, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. Uh, it's n- n- capture outside the frame, not very, not explained very well at all. Um, but now we know why. Remember after the event, we're like, well, why didn't nobody, why didn't they talk about this feature? It was like all rumored as like being the thing that was going to make it cool. Yeah. And then they didn't talk about it. Well, now we know why they didn't talk about yeah. it because they don't actually want anyone to use it, which is very weird. And and the thing, I guess, uh, I don't have 13.2 installed, but the way that it's been described is capture outside the frame is a setting. It's got its own label. It's got its own switch. Deep Fusion will just be enabled by default. It'll be, it will not be like an option that you can enable or disable. It, it just works. Oh, huh. So... And I may be wrong again. I have I don't have the thirteen point two beta, so it's entirely possible that I got the wrong impression out of these articles. But it feels to me, and we can follow up on this next week. It feels to me as if Deep Fusion is the new default. And then, if you want, you can enable capture outside the frame, but that's gonna disable Deep Fusion. It's a very weird scenario. Um, obviously, this is something that Apple needs to fix next year. Uh, they need to have an A14 chip that can handle both at the same time. And I realize, uh, you know, memory consumption here is going to be all over the place because of how capture tied the frame works. We're going to talk about it. But uh, 
this is the situation we're now in. We have uh, the software taking a bunch of pictures and stitching them together. And if you read the details of Deep Fusion, it's kind of wild. It takes like four or five shots at different exposures and and blends them together. And it's, it's kind of wild. And it all happens in uh, a second or less, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Um, but it comes with this weird trade-off for now that uh, doesn't work with capshots at the frame. So it works on the iPhone 11, though. It's not an iPhone 11 Pro only feature. It, al it also works for the more affordable 11 model. So that's nice. Um, but on the 11 Pro, it also works with the, with the telephoto, which the 11 doesn't have. It, it being on by default, or like it's just going to do this, that seems like a bold choice to me for something that wasn't ready at launch, but also takes a second to actually render. Like, are people going to suddenly think their cameras are slow? Or like, or if you don't like this effect, you're just stuck with it? I, I don't know if that, that strikes me as an odd choice. Uh, we have uh, some breaking news on uh, the iOS 13.2 beta. Uh, Guillermo Rambo has found uh, some iconography that would seem to indicate a potential update to AirPods uh, with noise cancelling. <laughs> you know what this looks like to me? <laughs> I know what it looks like. What? Paragon. Oh, wow. No, you know what I thought of? <laughs> it is totally Paragon, though. It, it looks like uh, Birdo from, the, from Super Mario. Also looks like Birdo from Super Mario. <laughs> yep, 100%. Bird pods, that's what they're called. You heard it here first. Um, but this would seem to indicate AirPods with like the little uh, little rubbery tips that go inside of your ears. Yeah, I'm not super right? excited about that because I don't like those types of I headphones. I don't like them either. I don't like I've them never either. found a pair that fit me comfortably. Maybe Apple can change that, but we'll we'll see. But this would potentially be the noise-canceling ones um, or noise-isolating ones at the very least. Anyways, so do we think this is weird that Deep Fusion is on by default? Yes. Yeah. Because it's... it seems... Well, it's not just that it's on by default. It's that it's on and that's Right, like you can't. Is it seems it cannot be turned off, right? That's what mm -hmm. the articles implied, and that's like that's not like smart HDR, which you can turn off. It was yeah. on by default, but you can turn it off. That because what this is saying is that Apple is very, very confident in their ability to mess around with these images, right, and it be perfect. That's what you're saying by, like, this is a feature that goes on and stays on and can't be turned off. I guess the way you turn it off is by turning on capture outside the frame, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's very strange. I want to see how they explain it. Like, um, Will there be some kind of explanation in settings that if you enable capture outside the frame, you will take worse pictures? Are they going to, like... Are they going to explain that? Like, you will lose some detail if you enable this option? I uh, I want to see what it looks like. All right, should we take a break and then uh, Federico can tell us more about Outside the Frame? Yes. Yeah, that sounds good. So let me tell you about FreshBooks. If you're a freelancer and someone came up to you on the street and said, hey, freelancer, would you like to save 192 hours? You would be a, f a friend to that person. And our friends at FreshBook can help you do just that, save those 192 hours by using their super simple cloud accounting software. 
By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks can automate late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. And when you do email a client invoice, FreshBooks can tell you whether or not they've seen it, whether they've opened it or not, which puts an end to the awful guessing game. If you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. No credit card is required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com connected and enter connected in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com connected for a unrestricted 30-day free trial. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. So I wanted to talk about uh, Capture Outside the Frame because I think it's been, well, it wasn't presented at all by Apple on stage. And there's a lot of confusion involving um, how it works, what it does, how it's enabled. And I've been able to put together some details. Um, well, actually, a lot of details um, about Capture Outside the Frame that I wanted to share with you guys and with our listeners. Um, so... There's a, first of all, I want to uh, go over the, basic, uh, the basics of this feature. It needs to be enabled in settings camera. And it's a way for you to capture extra data when you're taking a picture. Um, and that data comes from the wider lens than the one you're currently using. Um, and the first misconception here is that most people tend to believe that uh, capture outside the frame only uses data from the ultra-wide lens on the iPhone 11 and the 11 Pro, but that is not mm. completely accurate in that, yes, on the iPhone 11, uh, it always uses data from the ultra-wide lens because the iPhone 11 only has a wide-angle lens and the ultra-wide-angle lens. On the iPhone 11 Pro, the capture outside the frame uses the extra data from whatever is the wider lens than the one you're using at the moment. So if you're shooting a 1x with a wide-angle camera, the uh, overcapture um, over data comes from the 2x, from the telephoto lens. It doesn't come from the ultra-wide. If you're capturing at 2x using the telephoto lens uh, on the iPhone 11 Pro, the overcapture data comes from the 1x wide-angle lens. Um, so if you're shooting with the telephoto the capture outside the frame feature will take the extra data from the 1x lens. Uh, it will not uh, stitch together the 2x and 0.5x image, um, camera data. Uh, it'll switch to whatever is wider than 2x, and 1x is wider than 2x. Uh, if you're using the 1x standard wide camera, then it'll use the ultra wide. So uh, the first thing to keep in mind is uh, it doesn't always use the ultra-wide lens uh, for to store the over-captured data. Mm -hmm. uh, on the iPhone 11 Pro, it can alternate between 1x and the ultra-wide. You can actually test this yourself. Um, make sure, first of all, make sure that there's a lot of light. Um, we're going to talk about this in a minute. Um, take a picture using the telephoto lens on the iPhone 11 Pro. Cover with your finger the ultra-wide lens and you will see that you will still capture data outside the frame, and you will be able to recover that data later in the Photos app. Um, so I did it myself. Uh, I covered the ultra-wide lens with my finger. Uh, I took a picture using the telephoto lens, and sure enough, the over-capture data was coming from the 1X. So that makes sense, uh, mm -hmm. because you, 
you, the system just needs to use whatever is wider than what you're using. Um, we mentioned how Deep Fusion and Capshots at the Frame are incompatible with each other. Um, so that's uh, that's unfortunate, but uh, uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. Um, the option is off by default for photos. It's on by default for videos. So there's Capture Outside the Frame is enabled for videos as well, and it's on by default, but with a sort of a weird asterisk, it, it only works, works for quick take videos. So the quick take video feature is new in the, in the iPhone 11 line. You can hold the shutter button in the camera app to record a video. Also comes with some weird limitations that I'll mention in a second, uh, but quick take videos are the only videos that support capturing outside the frame. Now, how do you know when a photo or video that you've saved on your device contains over-captured data? There is no... So in, in the Photos app, where the items are saved, the only indication you have is this new icon uh, it's a squ it's a square with a star in the corner yeah. that appears in the top right uh, corner of the Photos app when you're viewing a photo or a video. Which you think so you'd like, be able to do something with, but it's just there. Like if you tap it, nothing happens. That nothing was really confusing ha to me at first. It, it's a badge. It's it's not an yeah. interactive element. Um, is there a way that you can know in the camera app, like? Is there is there any indication that that you, that you get in the camera app when you're shooting that mm, over capture is enabled? Well, first of all, you're gonna see a preview uh, of the uh, if you're mm, taking a picture or uh, in in landscape, you will see the extra content uh, shine through at the uh, you know from underneath the black bars on uh, both sides of the screen. But really, uh, there isn't a special icon. There isn't a special badge in the camera app, but the, I guess the, the, the easiest way for you to know that you, you are capturing, um, uh, extra con extra data is you, you don't see the moon icon for night mode. So, um, because, uh, capture outside the frame requires for pictures, at least a lot of light. If you see the moon icon, it means you're in a sort of a low light scenario and capture outside the frame will not work. So whether the moon icon is gray or yellow, um, you see that icon, capture outside the frame will not be applied because there isn't enough light. So there's a light threshold for taking pictures with capture outside the frame. And if you see that icon, you will not have the extra data. Um, for videos, it's a slightly different discussion. Um, Capture outside the frame does not have a light threshold for video mode, but it only works, as I mentioned, for quick take videos. Now, quick take videos are limited to 1440p at 30 frames. Uh, so the resolution is 1440 by 1920, uh, slightly bigger than 1080p. And uh, they're limited to 30 frames and they're also limited to mono audio only. I double checked this. So I first heard some people say that quick take videos were limited to tw uh, to 10 1080p. I double checked. I transferred a bunch of uh, um, quick take videos to my Mac and I inspected the uh, metadata. And just just to remind people, quick take is the new system where you can just hold down the yes. camera shutter uh, button in the camera app and take video. 
rather than burst yes. the post. Just as a reminder. Yes. Yes, quick take is when you hold down. And those quick take videos by default are, uh, how do you say the format? 14, uh, f- four thirds? Is that how you say that? Um, four by the, three? The four by three, yeah, yeah, I guess. They are four by three videos at 1440p. And um, you can still uh, switch to um, a widescreen format or a square format from the options tray of the camera app, which is also new this year. Uh, but by default, uh, they are uh, uh, 4x3, uh, 1440p mono audio. And they are the only videos to support um, capturing outside the frame that always works for videos. And I guess my understanding is that it works all the time, uh, regardless of how much light is around you, except for extreme scenarios such as when your iPhone may be under high thermal pressure, for example. So if your iPhone is running hot and you're taking a quick take video and you're expecting capturing outside the frame to work, it may be disabled because the iPhone needs to cool down. So, But I guess that's a very extreme uh, scenario. Generally speaking, you should, you should expect, if you have the option enabled in settings, uh, capture outside the frame is going to work for quick take videos all the time. So I have some photos and videos of, that have that little logo, capture outside mm-hmm. of the frame, but mm-hmm. I can't m- crop them myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand what data it's supposed to have collected. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. of them allow right. me to, like, I can, I can zoom out, right, the image. Mm-hmm. But some mm-hmm. don't, and I don't know what yeah. it's trying to tell me it's collected in that instance. Yeah, so this is where it gets uh, this is where it gets complicated. Okay, so, cool. <laughs> I'm pleased that I brought us there. <laughs> the, the second half of this discussion is where it gets tricky. So let's start from the from the easiest scenario. You've captured something. You capture. You're taking a picture that has um, or a video that has extra data. The system looks at it, and iOS thinks, okay. I can improve this image or I can improve this video. I'm going to apply some adjustments for you automatically. When it does that, the picture or video will get a new badge. So an additional badge in the Photos app that says auto. And that means uh, automatic adjustments were applied by the system. Now, this is Ah. also an option that you can enable or disable in settings, camera, uh, auto apply adjustments and also that auto applying of adjustments icon which comes up when you go into the crop isn't yes. just used for this situation it's also used for different cropping so like even if capture outside of frame isn't enabled it might try and do like what i found to be very peculiar like alignment stuff it yes. doesn't work a lot of the time very well but that makes sense because when i go into those images that i was just asking you about um it says the auto mode when i tap it it shrinks the image mm-hmm, in some mm-hmm. way, so it's so, it's captured it, made the, uh, the the it's made the changes, but I can't change it further. But on some images, it doesn't apply the auto, and I can zoom out further and use the wide angle lens where I didn't before. This mm-hmm. is very confusing. Okay, hold on. Oh, so, <laughs> why does it keep getting worse? <laughs> in a second, my understanding is that the uh, the adjustments, of course, as you may expect, are based on machine learning, and what the system does is um, it it 
tends to focus, I guess, on two main goals. Uh, one of them is keeping the subject in frame. So that would be people and pets. Or uh, fixing the horizon. If you're taking a picture that is not exactly aligned uh, with the horizon. So um, the system will, will do that. And I've um, hovered from... from um, couple of friends that um, it's especially impressive for people and pets in that they are uh, sort of like tracked on a on a frame by frame basis uh, if, if it's uh, you know uh, if you're trying to edit a video and the system will apply additional stabilization uh, for that Federica I have another question for you I'm very sure. sorry so there was an image that I took while away this weekend which was saved by this setting uh, which was great it was a group shot. I have one shot now where it's got that little icon, the square icon with the star, but it's covered by a blue box and says auto. And mm -hmm. I can tap that one. Mm -hmm. Why mm -hmm. can I? Why does that exist for this one picture, but not the other pictures that have that square with the star? So this one says auto. Yes. Yeah, because the system uh, applied the automatic adjustments. Right. Okay. So, but. But that's not in the editing screen. This is in the photo viewing screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the auto adjustment gets applied, you will see the badge in the photo uh, viewing uh, screen uh, page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll okay. do that for you in the background and you will see the badge in the photos app. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so confusing. Oh, my God. Now, you may, you may ask, what if... And, I, and you asked this question a few minutes ago. What if... I took a picture, capture outside the frame, I see the icon, right? But the automatic adjustments were not actually automatically applied by the system. So, you can always do this. You can go, you can edit the photo, switch to the crop section, mm -hmm. so you tap the crop icon. In the upper right corner, there's uh, the more button, the ellipsis, the circle with the three dots inside. You can tap that and you will see an option oh. that says use content outside the frame. I just did that. That was not what I expected was supposed yes. to have. I figured that that was meant to like, because there's been other times okay. when I've been able to zoom myself. Yes. Yes. Follow me here. Follow me here. This is, ah. this is, the, this is the key segment of this uh, section. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and, and make it extremely simple to follow. So when you see that menu, that button in the, in the ellipsis menu, it means that the subject was too close to your camera. And therefore, the system doesn't let you zoom, pinch out, zoom out, and see more data. What it does is it actually toggles between lenses. When you oh. Okay? So when you see mm. that button, therefore, automatic adjustments were not applied. Therefore, what you're going to do when you press the button is you're going to toggle between two versions of the same picture or the same video from two different lenses. Okay, so um, again, really sorry. So what does it mean then if I get the little square icon but don't get the ability in the ellipsis menu to do anything? In theory, you should get the ability to pinch out, to zoom out, right. and you will okay. see the extra data around the okay. photo because the subject was not too close, 
Therefore, the system can actually stitch together images from multiple lenses at the same time. Okay, cool. Okay. I think I'm following now. Yes. Okay. So, but you don't subject- always get like wide angle, right? Like sometimes it's just one or two, it seems. Yeah. Or like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes, so for pictures, always, this only works if there's a lot of light. Sometimes you need to toggle between lenses and that's when you need to use the menu. Sometimes you can zoom out with a pinch gesture and you will see the extra data surrounding the picture. And when that happens, when the second option happens, when you see the extra data around the, the, the picture, that's because the system was able to stitch together multiple um, images, images from multiple lenses at the same time. Uh, and it does a bunch of things that I've, that I've heard uh, myself, like it creates like a super resolution image, uh, and then it goes back down to 12 megapixels. Super fascinating stuff. Um, in any case... This is how it works. Now, this over data, this extra data, it doesn't live forever inside your device. It's got a 30-day expiration timer going. Um, you can... So if 30 days pass and you haven't used the extra data, it'll get discarded by the system. Um, this was done for privacy reasons. This was done to save storage because it's effectively you're storing uh, an image or a video twice. Um, right. So after 30 days, uh, and if you, if you haven't touched it, it'll be deleted. Of course, if you have auto adjustments and they were applied, they will not be deleted because they were applied to the picture. So if the system thinks, oh, I can actually improve this picture for you, well, it'll not delete it uh, after 30 days. It'll keep them. Uh, so you need to make sure and, and review what the system has done in photos. And... Um, of course, if you manually edit a picture, uh, either by pinching out or by using using the ellipsis menu, the timer, the 30-day expiration timer, will also be removed. So, um, by default, if no automatic adjustments are applied, or if you didn't edit a picture or video yourself, the extra data is deleted after a month. And this is how it works. It's very complicated. Apple should really have a technical document somewhere on apple.com about all of this. I also believe it should be explained in the UI better. Uh, I basically started going down this rabbit hole myself because I, I needed to understand how it worked because I was taking pictures, but I was not seeing this extra data. And so I needed to, uh, I needed to, to know what was going on behind the scenes. And I hope that I've done a decent job at explaining all of this. It's very intricate and complex. And the word, the, the, the ironically speaking, the best part of all of this is that none of this will matter if we want to use Deep Fusion. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, at least I know how it works. It's such a shame, right? Like that they've. <laughs> this is an interesting feature, and it's already been very useful to me, honestly. I won't be able to use it anymore. This feels like, to me, a situation where Apple's privacy inside of the company has messed something up. That there were two mm. teams working on a, on different features, they were not talking to each other, and now this has happened. Because I cannot fathom why iOS 13 would include both of these features if one of them cannot be used when the other one, which will be the default camera mode, is on. Mm-hmm. 
That is wild. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, oh, we remove the shutter button when you open the camera now. But if you don't have the camera open, you can use the shutter. It's like, what is what is this? Why? Like, it's very strange. <laughs> this is a very, very strange thing to have happened for these two features to be being introduced. But they one of them negates the other one and doesn't give the functionality in a new way. Right? It's well, not it's like also, one well, replaces the other. It isn't a replacement. It's like you cannot use this if you use the feature. Yeah. What's also weird to me is the difference between uh, for the light threshold. So for videos, it always works. For pictures, sometimes it does, sometimes it does not. But for videos, it only works for quick take. Like It feels like this feature was possible, but sort of half possible this year. Uh, because of limitations with the lenses or the CPU. And like uh, in an ideal state, capture outside the frame should work all the time for any lens, for any mode, regardless of your proximity to the subject or how much light is around you, right? I mean, it should work all the time. Instead, you, you have all these asterisks of like, yes, it works, but only if you... All of these different conditions, which make it hard to explain and hard to follow. And honestly... Most people are just going to disable it and use Deep Fusion. So, uh, again, 2020 iPhone. Uh, one of my top wishes already is uh, Deep Fusion and Capture Outside the Frame that can coexist with each other and Capture Outside the Frame that is made easier and uh, basically uh, available all the time, not with these weird limitations between modes. I want both features to be enabled at the same time, work with each other in all kinds of conditions. So, but for now, uh, we're stuck with this. Thank you, Professor Federico. <laughs> sure, you're welcome. I don't think any normal person is going to be able to figure that out of their own. <laughs> no. No, no, no. This is not, not great. Well, I think that does it. I think we're at the end. What a big show. Mm-hmm. If you want to find the links to stuff we spoke about, you can head over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 263. While you're there, you can send feedback or follow-up via email, or you can do so on Twitter. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is the host of a bunch of other shows here at Relay FM, so go check those out. You can find Federico online at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. You can follow me on Twitter as ismh. And you can find my writing at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Care of, and FreshBooks. Until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.